This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Want to become the sort of developer top rail shops like ThoughtBot fight over? Join Upcase today to get the pro training, insider knowledge, access to ThoughtBot developers, and a community of like-minded learners you need. Hone core skills like Vim, Tmux, Git, and Rails by visiting upcase.com slash half off to get 50% off your first month of Upcase. Let's get that junior out of your title and start leveling up today with Upcase. Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I'm here today with Heaton Shah. Hey, Heaton. Hey. How's it going? Can't complain. Awesome. So I was researching you for the podcast, and it seems to me like you are more or less completely obsessed with helping other people. Yeah. And it seems like there is a really strong trend in the business world of this, especially like online SaaS type businesses of people yep. taking what they've learned and feeding it back into the world. And it's, it's kind of surprising in a certain sense. Like it, it would almost be better, like it might be a competitive advantage if you learned a thing and then didn't tell anybody about that thing. So your competitors can't do it too. But it seems like so many people have embraced the total opposite approach. Yeah. Uh, you started, you started with something really important, uh, I think. And so, the way I think about it is right now, and, and, and I think this is along the lines of just where the world is today. So like there's, there's a ton of software. Software is easier than ever to build. If, if you want to take an extreme thesis, you could say that software is so easy to build, anyone should be able to build software, hmm. right? And when you start taking that thought process, it's like, all right, cool. So we're, we're, clearly we're going to see more software being built because almost anybody will be able to build software. And then once that happens, the derivative of that is basically people will be able to make their own money without having to work for somebody else because they can build some little software, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the interesting thing about me and my perspective on this, taking it to the sort of place that you did with software and, 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 and sort of uh, people sharing their knowledge, mm -hmm. I was running a self-funded and a venture-funded company at the same time. And today I have equity in a funded company. I'm not running it anymore. And then I have my self-funded companies that I'm also working on, one being really old and another one uh, kind of new. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually we might raise money for one of them or both of them. Who knows? So I'm totally open to it. You know, I, I don't think, I, I think it's like it, both are great. You know, I, I, there's no, it's just whatever you, whatever you got, you got to, you got to use, right? If you really have a desire to build a business. Yep. But anyways, so seeing both of those, right? Like, and going back to your question, like what I found is like, when you have less resources, less money to go do things like paid advertising, mm -hmm. when you start sharing your own story, which is honestly one of the easiest things for any human being to do, mm -hmm. right? It's your own story. And that, that literally is these learnings you're having. You start building a crowd, an audience, and you have affinity just like you would if you had a bunch of ads and people clicked on it. In fact, it's better because you're actually building a brand. And so I think in today's world, now that everything's so easy, there are still secrets. They're just much more complex and usually if they're either very complex or they're just informational why did some other human being do something why did some company do something if you truly know the answer from inside that's now a secret mm -hmm. right anything else about like a tactic or something like that that's not really a secret but how somebody thinks strategically is is most of the secrets we have left even patents aren't helpful around secrets anymore right mm -hmm, they don't totally. protect your secrets right it's almost like patents are funny it's like put your secret out there it'll be protected don't worry well how is that going to work out you know mm -hmm. um, but anyways so i think there are a good, there are going to be less secrets because there's going to be more people creating stuff as there are more people creating stuff 
um, you kind of realize that like there's a whole opportunity right now to educate all those people creating stuff. And if those people creating stuff could be your customers, then, you know, you're in the money, so to speak. Sure. So, so even if you just want to look at it in a sort of selfish sense, talking about what you're doing will tend to have probably positive follow-on effects as people say, this person knows what they're doing and whatnot. Yeah. And taking it back to the helping others and, and my joy, love, whatever for it, like mm-hmm. it, it helps me. Helping you helps me. Right. And, and, and it changes my perspective on, on my meetings or my time or even how, my, how, how I'm thinking about things. Right. I'm not always thinking about what can I get. I'm more thinking about what can I give because, you know, I can always get something. I mean, that's not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But the harder part is like, what can I do for this other person? How can I, you know, I, I've extended it to say that like now, like I, I want to be the best meeting of somebody's day, hmm. right? If I can help it, right? And, 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 and I have a pretty good hit rate. But like when you take that approach and you think about the other person, you think about it as a service to them, it just works out in your favor, right? That's it. I, I love the uh, the goal of trying to be the best meeting of somebody's day. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Do you have any other sort of things like that that have shaped your behavior? I'm always trying to change my behavior, to be honest, right? Like, I, I feel like you have to internalize that, like, you're in control and, and, and your behavior, your actions, your communications, those are what's impacting, you know, uh, whatever you desire, right? And, and whether you get what you want or not. And so, to me, I find it funny, but, like, whether you're, uh, this is one that I would give you that's a meta one, but whether you're and engineers are great at this, but like, and I, that's one of the reasons why, Oh, by the way, I, I'm not an engineer, but I fake it. Yeah. And, 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 and I fake it by Googling out Googling most engineers. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's it. And, and you, you guys all know like Google's a game or whatever, search Google stack overflow, whatever your game is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but anyways, my point is that the meta point here around, like, if you want to improve yourself is like, we, we all think in frameworks, whether we're thinking about the framework or not. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and, and so I've got some simple ones, but like, you know, I'll give you some other people's like, uh, Jeff Bezos has one called the regret minimization framework. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and, and I'm not even going to talk about it because there's so many frameworks we could talk about and I'd love to talk about others too. But, and that one's great if you're trying to make a hard life choice, right? Like it's a, yeah. just a great way to think about a decision where either way is great or either way, like, you know, you just gotta, you just need to make a decision. Right. And, 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 and it's, it's an easy framework for these more non-logical, non-binary decisions. Um, and and the other thing I'll say is like, so I'm just eager to find frameworks, eager to find ways to think about things or, well, and, and analogies sometimes are great. I'm not always a fan of analogies. And I know a lot of people think of frameworks and analogies together. Analogies, I, I think do a disservice to whatever you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to talk about. Like, you know, if you say like my startup is Uber for boats, Right, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. What people think of Uber is actually different from human being to human being. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, you're not really saying anything. You're saying what you're leaving it up to their imagination and their perspective on what Uber means, right? True, true. Uh, stuff like that. But anyways, uh, frameworks are, I think, something I would be studying if I wanted to try to get better at being a better human being or a better, you know, better at getting better yourself. Yeah, it feels to me like the the important part is realizing that you are. Is what you, which you touched on, you are running these like programs in your head, or, or you you're, you have yeah. a, a structure for making decisions already. And if you don't think of the fact that that structure and framework can be changed, you're missing out on some opportunities. Yeah, you know, I got another one. Um, Steli and I have talked about this one. But like, I really like this idea that like, you only get better at what you repeat. Hmm. So you only get better at what you repeatedly do. Mm-hmm. I think it's, 
it's really powerful. And then, and, and it can, like, let's say you're having trouble figuring out where your time is going or something. You, you know, the, one of the tactics people say is just look on your calendar, mm-hmm. right? They usually give that in the context of a startup and, you know, you should be hiring all the time. So look at your calendar, half your time should be hiring or something like that. Mm-hmm. But basically just look at your calendar, calendar and understanding where your sp- time is going, especially your repetitive time. That'll help you understand where your focus is and what things get better, you know? Um, there's another framework I like. I'll give one more, and then we, I'm sure you've got other thoughts that you'd love to hear from me or your audience would. But um, one, of the, one of the things that uh, I love is Keith Raboy at uh, Startup School uh, talked about uh, this thing that kind of got stuck in my head about being a good manager. Mm-hmm. And he was basically saying something along the lines of like, to some people, I might come across as a micromanager if I'm managing them. And to other people, I might come across as a, as a really you know open sort of like, you know they can do whatever they want sort of non-micromanagey, high-level manager. And really, honestly, it just really depends on who I'm managing and what they need, mm-hmm. right? And their expertise levels on what they're doing and stuff like that. It was a really great, great talk. It's another great framework, right? To Because like we have all these things, even personally, if you're a leader, manager, or somebody even just having to manage yourself, to be honest, uh, we have all these things about what a manager or management is, right? But like, honestly, it's really about like just effectively executing and helping someone else do that, especially in an organizational business sense. It's pretty basic. So I really loved his framework there. Yeah, totally. Uh, so you had a post on your blog about uh, how you are an infovore. You like you love consuming a lot of information. You had posted a couple tips for how to do it faster, more efficiently, all that. And it was interesting yeah. to me because it felt like it kind of uh, goes against the prevailing wind of like we need to simplify and we need to take in less, and we're so distracted and all this. Uh, but that's it was interesting to see that that's that's what works for you. There's only one way to do more or know more or learn more is just by doing more, learning more or, or knowing more, right? So like what I call like what most people, the advice most people give is you're just, they're just talking about synthesis. They're not talking about information. They're talking about synthesis. Mm. Yes, you should synthesize and nail it down to some core thing or principle or focus or action item or whatever, obviously, right? But you need a pool and, and today in the world that we live in, like the pool of information and data is only going to get greater. I mean, think about it. There isn't a camera on every corner yet, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just some of these powerful things. Like there's only one way things are going. We're going to have more information and data to deal with. So as a human being, yes, you can absolutely, if you enjoy life on the simple minimalistic side in terms of your thoughts and all that, go for it, yep. right? I love minimalist, simplistic honestly shit that just works well Mm. uh uh, from a product things i have to use the car i drive all that kind of stuff i love that right so minimalism i'm extreme on but thought process minimalistic in thought i'm not sure you know like Mm -hmm. like an information helps you think knowledge helps you think so like i don't know like even the best engineers i know have such varied interests across the board like one of my favorite engineers that I, i get to work with every day in my companies, one of my companies, like he, he loves woodworking and stuff mm-hmm. and he'll spend hours on it. And I'm like, that's awesome. Right. There's a craft there. It's not just code, right? It's art. And I love seeing that one of them, one, another engineer I work with, he's like a jujitsu world champion. Mm-hmm. What does it have to do with coding? <laughs> like, sure. Right. So he's hyper competitive and loves that and like does all kinds of, you know, things anyways. So, and that means that they're sucking in information across many different things, I would say. Totally. They're able to do those very things, and that's just the life we live. So either you you meld to society and what's up, or I don't want to say you left get you get left behind. I don't I don't think that's the truth. I think what it is is you get to live your your life with your constraints, right? And if you want to if you want to have those, go, you know, that's good. I think we need people like that too. Usually, those people are specialists, 
Mm. I, I generally stay in the generalist, poly, polyvore, whatever. There's a whole bunch of words for this, but like uh, a bunch of these areas. But yeah. Nice. So I want to zoom back for a second to your past a little, uh, where I was reading about uh, the history of Crazy Egg when you were starting Crazy Egg. And yeah. uh, you mentioned that you and your partner tried a dozen products before, uh, like in some apparently in some short period of time before Crazy Egg kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah, uh, within, within, within a couple of years, yeah. So what, what indicators were you using to tell you if you were onto something or not? Really shitty ones. Okay. But like, and, and I say shitty because like now we have better indicators and better knowledge, but like, and it wasn't a shitty one, but like I thought it was at the time even, but like it was the one that's probably most powerful, which is word of mouth. Hmm. So our, our most key indicator was, do people love this? And are they telling their friends about it? And we weren't like trying to do referral programs or anything like that. We were just looking to see if people just, we just keep getting signups by word of mouth or branding or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's more of like an organic approach to see organically, is it working? These days, I'm looking at retention, looking at funnels, looking at all those kind of things, right? But this was like 2005 to about 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm that we were doing this and mm. it, it was just a different world, right? Like, does it resonate with someone was all we really cared about. And we would just keep pounding at it and trying until it did, right? We didn't have as many problems either because getting something out there was a little bit easier. Getting a million users was a lot harder because there just weren't that many people online, right? Yep. But like getting, getting something started because there was not as much noise hmm. and getting it out there and getting some initial set of users wasn't very difficult. Hmm. So is the challenge in your mind or one of the, the new challenges now to just be heard over the noise? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a competitor already the second, the second you even think of your idea, hmm. whether it's someone at your stage or someone even ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And obviously someone who's not even recognized they're going to work on this idea. Right. Right. Just because there's more companies than ever. It's so, so easy to build companies now. The internet, software, mobile, like all these things. Yeah. Amazon, AWS, like thank you. Thank you, Bezos. Like, that was awesome. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And then so what do you do living in that world when you do want to make something work? Honestly, like, what we're finding working, like, in a lot of product categories is, I think there's a few choices. One, you go into product categories that are boring. Hmm. Like, you build apartment management software. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and there's legacy companies, and they're not that hard. If you're rigorous about making sure you're solving the right problem for your customer set and you find the right entry point, whether it's a small feature or just rebuilding the whole suite, mm-hmm. um, I think you can be very effective in industries where other people are not paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, autonomous vehicles for the C, right? That's a really cool category, right? Yep. Random, right? And there's not there's going to be less competition. So you go to categories of less competition or you go to comp- competitive categories and you figure out figure out the strategy and you set up a team that can execute against that strategy. And honestly, it's that simple. For example, if you're in a category where you need to build a lot of product really fast, you better have an engineering team and a product team that can build a lot of product really fast. Mm -hmm. If you're in a category where novelty and and maybe like it's a data science problem, your team better be really good at that stuff, right? But you have to pick the right strategy for the market and your viewpoint. And I think a lot of people forget that, right? So so honestly, it's like a lot of things. It depends. But but those are the kind of options I think today. What are you super excited about besides everything, it seems like? Yeah, um, in the context of like creating things, and I think engineering is one of the closest things to creating things, even like mechanical engineering, civil engineering, like all these other categories, it's all engineering. Engineering means like, you know, something really visceral to human beings. And I think in that context, I'm really excited about the fact that my kids will most likely both know how to program, Hmm. right? One way or another, Mm -hmm. regardless of what their job is. Not because I'm going to teach them, but I'm pretty sure that like it's just going to be obvious that they're going to need to just know. Right. 
And, and I, I think that future is fascinating. And I don't know how to program. I can look at code. I can go probably rationally and pragmatically figure something out pretty good. But I don't know how to code. I've never written a single line of code and executed it and said, oh, yeah, I built that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think they'll, they'll be able to do that. And I think the number one thing that excites me is the fact that what's the world going to look like when, when more people can code yeah. and, build pr- and create programs? And, and that might even be like the tools get better, right? So you just talk into something and you've got a program. Right. I don't know. Like, that's why I think there's a lot of interesting products in the meantime until that reality or whatever reality is going to happen at that point exists. So it's probably super exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I want to uh, touch on. So you tweeted something uh, a little while ago saying now that it's easier than ever to start a company. It's imperative that you experiment and learn so you stay ahead. Look around your company, and if people are making decisions that seem like guesses, it's time to start experimenting. And I will admit that reading that felt a little too familiar. Because I think sometimes if you are someone who's, I guess, gutsy enough to start something, you're tempted to assume, oh, I have awesome taste. I know what people want. I have this vision. And like, that's what we're going to head towards the vision and kind of ignore everything else. Yeah. You know, I kind of go, go back to like the, the, the thing that Y Combinator and Paul Graham are quoted for in saying that build something people want. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you're not going to build something people want for the long haul, probably the medium haul most of the short haul like <laughs> it'll work for months maybe you know what you just said and there's someone's own intuition about something mm-hmm. right but like how do you inform that intuition you inform it for, with data users people product in the market and then and then you change direction and also in today's world as we were talking about earlier with so much competition i don't think you can have that attitude and say i know the answers mm-hmm. i don't think anyone i don't think anyone can things are changing so fast that whatever you thought today might not be true tomorrow mm-hmm and in a lot of industries, it's like that. Mm-hmm. With some of these analytical tools, do you ever worry that, hey, we're testing this new feature in our customer base. Do you ever worry that like, maybe the people you have so far are not uh, the right people to test against? It's like, okay, yes, our current customers are not into this, but we really should be attracting people that would be. Yeah, I mean, to, just to go back to something kind of old school at this point, almost like, eight, what, eight, nine, ten years old, the lean startup, I mean, you know, that's why Pivot was invented, right? Mm-hmm. So if you believe you have a product, and you, the the current customer isn't the right customer, then then you know, do what Eric Reese says: do a customer pivot and pick a new customer with the same product. If you have the same, that customer, where you need a different product. You're doing a product pivot. It's a pivot, right? But like that's that's honestly the right way to talk about pivots. So yeah, absolutely. Like if you built something, and you think there's a better place for it, <laughs> you know, do that. Try it out. But like the the thing people get wrong is they go spend six months trying it out. Hmm. Can you try it out by next week and get an answer? Mm-hmm. And again, this is going to sound really old to people who who were around when Lean Startup was out, but like this is Lean Startup stuff. Like, you know, that's how I answer those questions, frankly, because yeah. it, 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 it's a, it's it's uh, uh, the terminology is now almost non-existent, but everyone's doing this stuff. But like, that's how you want to do stuff. Yeah, gotcha. So it seems like to me that uh, content marketing and you know, sign up for my email course or here's this uh, drip campaign or my weekly newsletter or whatever is definitely proliferating in a huge way Uh, and it feels like for new companies it almost seems like that's kind of like table stakes like that's the minimum you need to do to even just be playing the game well first of all do you agree with that and then if you do what is next in your mind like what how are people going to stand out will people reach sort of like email course blindness like if everyone's doing it won't it reach a point where no one wants it or is it still valuable because it's you know valuable content we thought email was dead 10 years ago, dude. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's some fundamental channels. I and mean, when you just start looking at the numbers and the accessibility of email and all these other things, like 
you just realize that like, yeah, we still have a lot of room. It's a communication channel. It's ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that argument that like, it's going to die. Yeah. I mean, if you're good and you keep testing and experimenting, then you're going to keep it as effective as you possibly can, regardless of what happens to email and how it works. Right. And at some point, yeah, there's other things. So, you know, a lot of people are thinking about how do we integrate with WhatsApp and stuff like that. Great. Wonderful. Right. There's always new things, but at the same time, you don't want to disregard the old thing if it can work. And so just do your tasks and experiments for yourself. One of my businesses product things right now is all email. There's nothing else to it. You just send you a bunch of emails, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, and it's working, right? <laughs> and, and people like it. And so I would say that in, in this specific question around emailing and newsletters, like if your thing is valuable, then it's your job to get it out to people. Yep. And, and, and email is one medium, but like what about Kindle books or, you know, put it, you know, all the, all that kind of stuff. You can even be in Amazon's bookstore by having a digital book now. Hmm. Try that channel, right? There's a lot of channels. So, so email, yes, it's a channel. But what I care about is what, what are you creating and what's your viewpoint on it? And then, and then I worry about, oh, how do you get it out there? Right. Mm-hmm. And what's the medium that you can get out? Cause there's just so many out there, but email is definitely a big one. And I think the, honestly, if you dig deeper, like it, it, and you go all the way in, you're just like, Oh, everyone's just building their own brands. And email happens to be a channel that enables people to do that. And look, it's just, how do I get to my customer? So I wouldn't say that like it's table stakes. What I would say is that it, it is one of the clearest, almost most talked about popular with a lot of how-to information out there, mm-hmm. email courses, everything with email has a lot of that, and so people gravitate towards it because they feel like they know how to do it. Mm-hmm. While a lot of other strategies that might be more cutting edge, even more effective right now, people just don't know how to do yet. Because again, back to the thing you said about secrets, the secret is a new channel before it started working for other people. If you made it work, that's a secret. Yeah, that should definitely be a secret, and that will be a secret. You know, so uh, but anything else is generally not a secret because your secrets are all about what's the fastest path to the customer and how can I get to them? Mm. Right. So again, that's how you should be thinking about channels. Email is just a channel. Got it. So leadership type question, because you've been the CEO of a a number of companies or currently are, uh, how do you just, how do you decide what to delegate versus do yourself? Do you have a framework for that? Do you have a hard and fast rule? Is it kind of just by feel? I think great leaders, regardless of CEOs or anybody who's anybody who has to manage people, right? Uh, or has people reporting to them or even has other people they're responsible for, whatever you want to use, depending on, you know, if you don't like managing as a word, okay. I'd, I'd say they have a responsibility to their team. To me, that means that like, if you have like six, seven direct reports, right, let's say, and, and I'm talking about like, obviously, once you get to 20, 30, 40 people, you start thinking like that, right? Um, oftentimes, unless you have a flat company, but that's, that has its own set of challenges. Most companies aren't like that. Man, like you, you got, you got, you got, you got so many problems coming at you. How can you actually do something, mm-hmm. right? So you have to figure out how to do the most important things that you are best at, or you are required to do because of your responsibilities in your job. Mm. Those are the two things. You're either best at it. There's no one else in the company that can do it better than you, or right, it's something that only you can do, mm-hmm. right? And those are two different things. And then, and then everything else at some point you are not doing, right? Sure, you have systems like, you know, I have weekly meetings with certain people or, you know, I really like Jack Dorsey's methodology and thinking around you're the editor, Hmm. right? And people show you shit and you edit it, Mm -hmm. right? It's great. It's awesome, right? If anyone's ever edited someone's content ever, right? Or or anything or helped a friend write an email or something, Mm -hmm. dude, that's editing. Like, that's good. Like, that's very efficient. People have stuff to do after that. And as long as you have the authority to edit, you're good to go. 
yeah. right? And as a founder, CEO, and in the leadership role, you're able to have that authority, in my opinion. So that's how I treat it. So yeah, I think you should find find people that are way better than you at everything you need to do that's not related to something you have to do or something you just are better than other people at. Yeah. Hmm. Do you do one-on-ones with the people reporting to you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What's your approach to this? If it's a person who's reporting to me, and it's because there's two types of people that would report to me, I guess. It would be people who are managing other people who are reporting to them or just individual contributors that for whatever reason, it's, it's I'm managing them, right? Yep. So those are the two, two choices. The people I'm managing usually, it gets really intense if they have a problem, I need to help them. And it might be a personal problem. Intense meaning I'm talking to them often. Often could be every other, up, to, up to every day to every other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, there's regularly scheduled just weekly meetings with, with, with either parties, right? Like just, ju- just to check in and just to see what's going on. And, and beyond that, it's all mostly work-related, like feedback stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I try to make sure I have touch points with everybody who is reporting to me every week. Mm-hmm. And I would say as much as possible, I try to have touch points with everyone in the company every month. But it depends on size, you know, some of that scales, right? Some of that doesn't, but it just depends on, and honestly, it also depends on your, your, your own style of leadership too, yeah. or management and people have different styles. Hmm. Interesting. So, so do you, are you trying to, do you have standard things that you're asking people? Like, are you trying to get a sense for how they are personally, how they are professionally, both? I think at this point, people know I'm pretty much to the point, fairly direct, very pragmatic, but I, I'm, I'm totally happy to, to bullshit if I like you, right? Or if there's no problem. Yeah. So that, that, that's my it. So if there's a problem, I'm going to find it fast as fast in the conversation. I don't necessarily think I have generic questions. I think it's more about how can I figure out what they need and how can I help them? And if you go back to best meeting of the day, yep. that, that it, it follows through on anybody on my team too. Yep. And, and generally I try to give people energy so that to do whatever they need to do by the end of the meeting. That, that, that's just my thesis and it seems to work even when I'm in there, but I'm also very much touchy feely like that when it comes to people and in relationships. Awesome. Other people have have you know cadences around questions and all this other stuff. I don't really do that too much. Gotcha. Uh, I want to be respectful of, respectful of your time and, and wrap up pretty soon. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to talk about or hoping I'd ask you? Uh, no, I mean, I just want to be valuable to your audience. So if there's anything you think we left out or anything interesting, you know, that would be valuable to them, I'd love to love to chat about that at the end, but like or right now or whatever. But otherwise, no, I think this is awesome, and I just love I just love that there's people like you doing what you're doing and, and having an audience like you do. Totally. Yeah. When I, when we started this podcast, I was actually sort of really skeptical about it. I kind yeah. of joined it re- reluctantly, but it's been <laughs> such yeah. a wonderful thing. And like, it's been awesome to be kind of part of this renaissance, I guess, of po- a podcast blowing up. Oh everywhere. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, I, and I've said this before, but it's like, we're talking to thousands of people effectively, but it's just you and me having a conversation. So it, it feels natural and it feels intimate. And yet so many people can benefit from the things we're talking about here. Is that crazy? Yeah, I, uh, I, I do one with Steli and that, that's pretty much why I'm, I'm doing this one because he, he introduced us. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah, I've been amazed. Like we've done like 60, 70 episodes already or something. And I've been amazed at just like that, exactly what you said. Like people email back or post in our Facebook group and they talk about what they learned from it. I'm like, really? I said that and you did something about it and, yeah. and, and, and you liked it? Oh, maybe I should yeah steli maybe we need to try harder here you know or something like that is usually how i feel when i when i when when i'm in that mode so yeah it's amazing and how you can impact people without ever talking to them yeah and and rob i was listening to a podcast with rob walling in it uh today and he was saying that he feels like a a podcast audience is like 10 times more engaged than a blog audience oh yeah the same number of people subscribe to your blog versus listening to your podcast like just in terms of the things that people will do when they hear you talk about it and the impact you can have is, is just totally different 
Totally agree. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and like we're 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 humans. We're like not we're we're programmed to listen to voices and to pick up on subtle nuances and and use that to inform our opinions. And like when you have a blog post or something like that, it's just maybe not quite as compelling. Ah, they can't feel it. Yeah. When they hear it, they can feel it better, right? Just they can feel like when you're angry and mad or you know the emphasis on something and even how you say it is different. Totally. Most and, people don't. Most people don't talk like they blog. Oh, definitely. I mean, even you. Like I've, I read a bunch of blog posts and now talking to you for like thirty seconds. It was like, wow, this like a lot of energy, a lot of intensity. <laughs> it's uh, different. Like, yeah, it's very different. You're going <laughs> yeah. fast, but the blog yeah. is like is like kind of measured and, and calm and, and and feels you know it's it's great, <laughs> but it's just a whole a whole yeah. different thing. Yeah, that's hard. Blogging's hard. It's hard to bring yourself out. I've, I've been trying. I think tweeting's actually easier to bring yourself out mm. than blogging. I think yeah, it's that that, that sort of like lower like lower editorial barrier or something. You just feel like you can just put more personality out there or something. Yeah, until you get really good at it, I guess. Blogging, I mean, like it's just hard to blog and, and not feel so. Uh, what is it? Uh, critical of yourself. At least that's how I feel about it. Totally. Yeah, vo- I think voice mastering voice and writing is one of those really tricky things. Absolutely. Yeah. Like who who do I sound like when I'm writing? <laughs> yeah, that's such a hard question to answer. Totally. Awesome. Well, this has been super fun chatting. I'm glad you could uh, swing by. Yeah, same here. Thanks oh, for having me. I have one. I, so you, we're we're talking because I asked Steli to introduce us because he thought you'd yeah. be a good guest. Do you have a policy for how you accept or decline interview requests like of this nature? That's a good question. Um, like, did we get you because Steli referred you? Like, would you have said? Oh yeah, yeah, oh okay. yeah. But uh, but if you guys emailed me, I probably would have said yes. Uh huh. But like, I might not have seen it for a while. Yeah. Because I use a product called Sanebox and it archives it and I only look at that like every couple times a week. Interesting. If yeah. you email me and you've never emailed me, but your domains emailed me before and I've had conversations. Yep. So it might just come through. But like, yeah, that's the reason I like, but usually I like getting on these things and it's not very hard for me. And like I said, I'm, I've pulled over and I'm going to go to a meeting after this. I'm good. Yep. Right. So it's convenient, but more importantly, yeah, I mean, I will do things for Steli. So yes, totally. I did this I, initially. It was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to say yes because Steli said do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. After that, it's like, oh, who are these guys? What's up? <laughs> totally. You know? no, that, so I, I, had, I was researching Steli, and so I read a bunch of his blog posts. And one of the things he's all about is like, you know, if you want a thing, ask for it then and there. Yeah. And like try to make it happen immediately. So I was like, oh, do you have anyone else that we should come on? He's like, yeah, you should talk to Heaton. And I was like, oh, awesome. Can you email him right now? And he's like, yeah, yeah totally. Great. And then worked and, out. Well, I mean, he loves that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, do you? Where should we point people uh, if they want to learn more about you? Uh, I got a newsletter for SaaS people, Heaton.com. I know a lot of engineers are probably working on SaaS stuff or thinking about it. Yep. So that's my name.com. So that's great. Uh, and then I do the podcast with Steli, and we always want more listeners, obviously. And sure. we talk about lots of founder, startup, and business-related stuff mostly. But also, we've talked about death before. So... Yeah. Great. <laughs> Good sales pitch. I like that. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap it up. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 173. Thanks for listening.